You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. upstairs room. They lacked every advantage that we know. They didn't have PowerPoint. They had candles for lights. They didn't have computers, satellite technology. They didn't have great big stadiums. Oh, they did, but that's where they were killed. So they didn't go there. They didn't go to the big stadium. Don't go to the stadium, pal. I don't care if you got a ticket or not. Why not? Because you're lunch for the Lions. They didn't have the ability to publish their material. They had no financial success whatsoever. When God chose his disciples, they were a group of ill-equipped people with limited resources. Pastor Dave will be reminding you that it's by God's Holy Spirit that you can accomplish anything according to God's will. The Bible says, not by might nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Promise of the Father. And it's clear that something was given out and something was received. Something was given out and something was received. Many people say, well, that was just symbolic rather than an actual pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It was prophetically symbolic and everything else would come at a later date. However, others believe that this should be seen as an event when the disciples actually received the indwelling Spirit of God. In other words, it was a time when they were born again. They received the indwelling Spirit of, the, of God. We look at this verse and connect it with Genesis 2, verse 7. That says, the Lord Jehovah Elohim breathed on Adam's nostril the breath of life, and he became a living soul. This word means to breathe with force. And you compare that now as the risen Lord, Jesus, breathed on the apostles so they might receive the Holy Spirit. I see this passage in John 22 as the place where the disciples became born again. They were regenerated, and they became born again of the Spirit. At this time, the Holy Spirit was given out in order to establish spiritual life. To establish that which is called spiritual life. We'll talk about that when we get to chapter 3 at great length. You see, in Calvary Chapel, and I personally believe that there are three experiences that you can have with the Holy Spirit. There are three experiences that you can have in the Holy Spirit. In case you're comparing the two verses... Two separate relationships to the Spirit are in one verse. John 14, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says this, quote, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he dwell will be in you. Look at these verses. In these verses, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, the Paracletus, the one who will come alongside. He said that they knew the Spirit and that he was dwelling with them and that he, the Spirit, would soon be in them. Now you have to look at the three Greek words. The Greek word with is para. Para means to come alongside. Hence, the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the Paracletus, the one who comes alongside. I just said that. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is already dwelling alongside each person. 
This is a relationship that every living person in the world, apart from Christ, has with the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 8 through 11, we see that about the work that goes on with the Spirit of God. He works in the hearts of men, and he works in the hearts of women in, in the world. What does he do? He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. That's his job. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's with all those in the world. He was with you before you accepted Christ as your Savior. He was working in your heart. He was convicting you of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He was doing these things and stirring your heart. He comes alongside you. There's a second experience. Jesus mentions it in 1417. And this is the end experience in Greek, E-N, or the inexperience. When I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am dwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in me. He is in me. The Holy Spirit is now in me. He will dwell in you. The Spirit has convicted a person, and he's brought to a place of repentance. And then he takes up residence in the person's heart. Now, the Spirit will never force his way into your heart. He will not force his way into your heart because he's a gentleman. He waits for you to accept and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then he comes in. Jesus says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will send him to you, and he will be with you. He will be in you, and you will take him. He will go wherever you go. He will never leave nor forsake you. A person yields his heart to Jesus. The Holy Spirit enters the person's life, and the work of regeneration begins. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. He conforms us into his image. This is the experience, I believe, that John is talking about in John 2, 22, when he breathed on the apostles. The Spirit took up residence in their lives of these men, and things began to change. But at Calvary Chapel, and I personally believe that there is a third relationship that is available to the believer, only to the believer. Only to the believer. So let's make no mistake about it first. You must be born again to receive this experience. Third relation is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the baptism of the Spirit. Some people call it being filled with the Spirit. It doesn't really matter what you call it. What matters is, have you experienced it? Have you experienced this relationship? Whenever a person wants to call, it's not important. We need to have this. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And there are two words that we need to look at. First of all, we need to look at the one when the Holy Spirit comes upon. U-P-O-N, upon. In Greek, it's the epi, E-P-I. Separate word from N and para. It's a separate word. It means the P, to come upon with power, enabling. Enabling for what? Well, Jesus tells us what it enables us for. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the ends of the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for one main purpose. It empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. It empowers us to witness Christ to a lost generation, to a generation that doesn't know him. And secondly, if you look at the word power, it's that wonderful word dunamis in the Greek. It means an explosive power, a miraculous power. And we get our word dynamite from that. The word comes from the root word dunamai, which means to be able to or to be made possible. This, like I said, this is where we get our word dynamite or dynamo. And it's used in Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, dunamis. This is not an ordinary power. This is an enabling power. This is a power that gives you strength. Remember in Acts? Sure you do. 
Every time they got together, what did they do? They prayed for what? Boldness. They prayed for boldness. Why? Because they had to stand up to the Sanhedrin. They had to stand up to the people who were against them, to the persecution. They had to witness Jesus Christ. They prayed for boldness. And every time they prayed for boldness, something happened to them. Holy Spirit fell once again upon them. And once in a while, the place shook. And they were empowered. And you see these bold men, the same men, the exact same men who ran 40 days before, who ran away because Jesus was being taken to the cross, the exact same guys who ran away. In fact, our man Peter. You remember Peter, the bumbling, crazy guy that we can all relate to? Every time he opens his mouth, he said, wait a minute, I got room for my other mouth, or my other foot, and I shoved it in. Peter speaks the first sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. The same Peter. The Holy Spirit enables us to be witnesses of Christ. He enables us to be servants of the Most High God and to turn the hearts of others toward Him. This is the power to live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. If you're trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit's power, you're struggling. You're having a hard time. God has given us the power that we need. It's a transforming power. And we've come full circle. We've asked the question earlier, how did these unqualified individuals turn the world upside down? This is how. They tapped into the power source. They tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same power which transformed the Apostle Peter from a hot-headed, quick-tempered man into a sure-footed, quick-thinking instrument ready for the Master's use. You see Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost, and he's quoting Scripture left and right. They changed the way people related one to another. There was a relatively small group who began in this meeting in an obscure upstairs room. They lacked every advantage that we know. They didn't have PowerPoint. They had candles for lights. They didn't have computers, satellite technology. They didn't have great big stadiums. Oh, they did, but that's where they were killed. So they didn't go there. They didn't go to the big stadium. Don't go to the stadium, pal. I don't care if you got a ticket or not. Why not? Because you're lunch for the Lions. They didn't have the ability to publish their material. They had no financial success whatsoever. They were burst basically dirt poor. There weren't huge, large cathedrals where people could come and worship in. But they did have the power of the Holy Spirit. They had the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait until this experience happened firsthand. Wait for the power to do the work I've called each of you to do. There's another thing that men made these men and women special in my mind. Even though they might not have completely understood what Jesus was talking about. Even though they were afraid of being found out. Even though they were afraid of being exposed to the Jews and, and being put to prison or death. They waited. They did what they were told to do. They obeyed their master. They waited 10 more days. They waited 10 more days. They waited in Jerusalem, the very city where Christ was crucified. But they knew this was the promise of the Father. Ten days they would receive the promise, and the day of Pentecost came. Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit came upon them with power. So whether you call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't matter. The important is that the true issue of being baptized with God's Spirit or being filled to the fullness with His power and Him. In my own experience... I can tell you 
that since my baptism in the Holy Spirit, my life has changed dramatically. Dramatically. There's no way I would be standing before you today without that power. There's absolutely no way. No way. It's that power within me, the power that came upon me to do the work that he's called me to do. He called me to work, and now he's making that work happen. My life changed drastically. I've become bolder, stronger witness for Jesus. This is the biblical experience that John the Baptist promised in 1.33. This is the promise that Jesus was talking about in Acts 1.5. A wonderful promise to all who call upon his name. Remember, you must be born again first. First and foremost, you have to have salvation through Jesus Christ. You must be born again first. This experience is for all believers, but sadly, not all believers know this experience. It's mostly due to traditional teachings that they received on this topic. It's due to a fear. It's due to a fear of what would happen. From a biblical standpoint, one must look at the facts of Scripture and be willing to accept whatever is clearly from God's Word. If it's biblical experience available today, then you should ask the Lord for it. I want it. I want it in my life today. My pastor from Vineland had an expression that I dearly love. And it pertains to issues of the Holy Spirit and many of the unfortunate modern expressions that have been seen. I mean, in fact, it applies to any biblical or unbiblical issue. And he simply said this, if you can't read it, you don't need it. If you read it, you must heed it. Did you hear me? If you can't read it, you don't need it. But if you can read it, you must heed it. In other words, you must obey it. Do what it calls and tells you to do. If the scripture does not specific, speak about a specific topic or an experience, then that we can allow some freedom. But when the scriptures are clear, like in this instance, we need to deal with it. We need to deal with it just as it is. I want to have the biblical experience that will benefit and bless my life so that I can in turn bless the lives of others. So I can see others come into the kingdom. John writes of this experience of the Holy Spirit in his gospel. He says this in John 7, 37 through 39. It's the last day of the feast. The last day of the great feast. Jesus stands up in the midst of the feast and he says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John puts a subtitle there. He puts something there and he says, But this he, Jesus, spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. These verses describe the life of a believer under the power of the Holy Spirit. Rivers, actually you can translate that, torrents of living water. Torrents of, liver, liver, torrents of living water gushing from your lives. Gushing from your lives, touching the hearts of everybody you come in contact with. Everybody that comes into the person who has this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit will have no question that he's been filled with the Spirit of God. Does this explain your life? Does this explain your Christian walk? Are torrents of living water pouring from you? Torrents of living water pouring from you? But you get in a conversation with somebody on the ferry who's an ex-firefighter and they start talking about how three people died. Do you feel the Holy Spirit said, Talk to this person. Talk to this person. Or, or when somebody comes by with a dog in their arms and the dog becomes the key to what you have in common, you start talking to the person about the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit moving in you, showing you, guiding you. You don't know what's in these people's lives. You don't know what these people have gone through. 
If this doesn't describe your experience with the Holy Spirit, maybe today's the day. In Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, Jesus gives us a simple way to receive this power of God. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The simplest way to receive the Holy Spirit is to ask. You simply need to pray and then believe by faith that the Spirit had been given to us. We can have the promise of the Father. And you, Jesus says in Acts 1-5, shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This baptism means totally submerged. It's like dipping a shirt into dye and changing the color. Dipping a shirt into dye and changing the color. It completely changes the appearance of a person. The same way with a person who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Your hearts and your lives are changed forever. Forever. John the Baptist called it being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire in Matthew 3.11. Fire is significant here. Fire is very significant here because we're told that our God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12.29. God wants to consume all that's not fruitful in your life. All those things that are not bringing fruit in your life, he wants to consume it and burn it up. He wants to get rid of it. It's useless. This is a part of the process that the Spirit does. The Spirit comes in and he begins to purify your life. He begins to say, you know what? Let's talk about this incident. Let's talk about this issue. And as you submit to him, he takes it. And they burn it up and it's gone. As you submit to him, it makes us more powerful witnesses. Fire can bring purification. Power, warmth when it's in control. The same way sometimes forest fires serve a purpose because they'll go in and they'll purge the fire. They'll actually set fire. And they'll purge the trees so that more can grow. Jesus is the head of the church. He is our focus. He is the central object of why we worship. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has come to seek and save that who are lost. Christ is our Savior. The Holy Spirit is a distinctive of the early church, and it should be a distinctive of this church as well. The Holy Spirit provides the power to the body of Christ. It's the legs, if you will. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a springboard in the church. How did Zechariah put it? You know the verse. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. There's a reason he did this. So that we can become solid witnesses of Jesus in this world. So that we can carry the gospel message to the ends of the earth if need be. We want to accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish here in Lower Township. God has a work for this church to do. There are so many people out there who don't know Jesus Christ, who need him. There's so many people who are out there in the hurting world that need a touch of Jesus. God wants us to touch them. We need God's power of the Holy Spirit to do that. We need God's power to do that. I contend you this morning, it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that made all the difference in the lives of the apostles. It made all the difference in the world of the lives of the apostles. They were changed forever. Just read the scriptures, go into the book of Acts, and read through the book of Acts and see how these men, uneducated, untrained, men with no background except for fishing or things like that, men who were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. What they did. I don't know if you've been listening the last couple of days. 
But something strange has happened in our nation. Something kind of cool has happened in our nation. I don't know how long it's been for you, but I haven't heard the name of God. I haven't heard the name of Jesus mentioned in the White House in years. And over the last couple days, the name of God has been mentioned. The name of Jesus Christ has been mentioned. There's been Franklin Graham mentioning his name. There's been Greg Laurie mentioning the name of Jesus. God seems to be being brought back into the White House. He seems to be brought back into the White House. For such a time as this, hang on, for such a time as this, how many of you have been praying for a great revival? How many of you have been praying for a great revival? I believe that the time is now. I believe that God is now being mentioned in the White House. It's going to be something that we're going to talk about. It's going to be something that other people are talking about. And many of us have thought that before Christ come to take his church, there's going to be one more push, one more great gathering, one more great harvest, if you will. And God is going to pour out his spirit once again, and many, many, many will be saved and come into the kingdom before the end times finish. Are you ready? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to be a part of this? Or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and go, that's nice, that's cool. You can do that. You can do that and still have eternal life. Don't get me wrong. You can do that. Because all you need for eternal life is to be born again by the Spirit. All you need is to confess Jesus with your mouth and believe that God raised him on the, uh, the third day. You believe that in your heart and you're saved. That's what Scripture says. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that with all my heart. Oh, you can have that. And you can have eternal life. You need the power. You need the power source. You need the power source in your life to get you going, to move, to get you moving, to do the things that God has called you to do. Because I believe that God has a plan for every person in this room. God has a plan, and he wants to reveal that plan to you. But you're holding back. You're, you're holding back in your life because you've heard of this Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I heard of this Holy Spirit, you know. I, I accept the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to run around the room naked. I know. I heard him. Or I'm going to bark like a dog, or I'm going to roll in the aisles, or I'm going to, you know, I heard about this Holy Spirit. I don't want any part of it. Oh, no, get away. No, no. Let me say this to you, folks. My brothers, my sisters, the ones I love dearly, the ones I couldn't wait to get back. Let me tell you this. I've been here for seven years. I've preached on this topic before. Aside from me standing up here, have you ever seen anything crazy? Have you ever seen anything crazy happen in this church? Have you ever seen anything wild? Are we screaming around? Are we running around doing all kinds of crazy things? No. But I am baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I know many of you are too. God is a God of order. God is a God of order and control. Yeah, something's happening in the White House. And I believe something can happen in your house. I think something's going to happen in this house. God wants to do almighty work. You know, as I was sitting back there praying... And this is not the first time this happened. It happened about three times during the conference as the worship team was playing and I was praying and I was sitting quietly before the Lord. As I was sitting back there praying as the worship team, they were, they were going through their songs. Once again, once again, God impressed upon my heart. He's going to do a mighty work. You are Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.